Hey there, people-powered business community. Are you ready to transform the way you handle difficult conversations in your business? If so, I'd love you to join me for the Mastering Difficult Conversations workshop that I'm running next week. In just three interactive online sessions on the 18th, 20th and 22nd of March, you'll discover your unique leadership style, you'll master the art of impactful communication by learning the translation code, and you will build your personalized difficult conversations framework. Imagine tackling tricky team talks with confidence and ease, all for the special price for you listeners of just $47. But hurry, spots limited to ensure that we have an engaging experience for everyone. It's time to go from overwhelmed to empowered and lead your business with confidence. Just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash workshop to secure your seat now. Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi there, Christy Lee here, and welcome to episode number 68 of the People Powered Business Podcast. How is your week going so far? I hope it's going well. Hope you are super busy. We are absolutely flat out at the moment, which is great. Really enjoying the work that we're doing and excited to be joining you here today for this week's episode of the podcast, because today I have a special guest who I'm interviewing on the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing my very own virtual assistant, Adrian Donnelly. Now, I invited Adrienne to have a chat to us here on the podcast. Um, She's been working with me as part of my team for a couple of years now, and she is a really integral part of my team. And we got to chatting about uh, some of her other clients and, and the use of virtual assistants generally, and I thought it would be great to interview her as a VA to get the VA side of things about how we can really leverage virtual assistants to help grow our business. Because I know for many of you, when you're looking to grow your team, you know you need extra help, there's too many things going on and you need an extra pair of hands, uh, perhaps an extra skill set in the business. But sometimes that burden, I guess, of hiring another employee might feel like a bit of a stretch or might make you a little bit nervous because you're not sure exactly how much work there is or how much time it's going to take or how it's all going to look and work. And for that reason, virtual assistants can be an excellent option to help grow your business and grow your team. Now, I know many of you have got VAs, you've maybe got one, maybe you've got a whole team of VAs doing different specialist tasks in your business. And I think that's a very clever strategy personally. Um, And I know for many of you, you're thinking, oh, how could I use a virtual assistant? What type of tasks could they do for me? Um, And how would that all look and work? And I noticed particularly with the 18 months that we've had now, that this realization about the value of virtual teams has really come to the forefront for many people who previously thought in order to have a team, 
everyone had to be on the one site in the office together or you know in that one workplace together for it to be cohesive but if anything what the covid restrictions have shown us is that working virtually we can still have a great team a really cohesive team and we can work really effectively in that model and i think that's really opened up a lot of people's minds to the world of virtual assistants and how they can leverage vAs to really help to grow their business. And so that's why I invited Adrian to chat with me here on the podcast today. So in this interview, we look at um, how to know when it's the right time to get a VA. Uh, what are some of the tasks that are great to outsource to a VA? And of course, you know, there's so many different specialist VAs out there now that um, you can, you know, really have a team of people doing their very specialist things. And most importantly in our chat today, we talk about how to set up a great working structure with your VA. And to me, this is the magic of it. You need to really have a great working relationship with your VA because uh, they're, they're remote, first and foremost. Sometimes you might be looking at a VA who is you know, somewhere located somewhere else in the world, perhaps on a different time zone. Um, and you need to work together really closely to make sure this relationship works. And it's something that when Adrian first started working with me, she was really great at helping set up how we're going to do this, uh, how this uh, commu- how our communication was going to flow, what tools we were going to use, um, which was great for me because it took that load off the, the to-do task that I had. Um, and because she's a professional VA, she really understood the value of that. And I think that uh, the feedback she gives there is really important. So before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit about Adrian. Uh, Adrian started uh, her virtual assistant business. So she's had her own business since 2016. And she really just saw a need for support for small business owners. So Adrian tells us in the interview about her background, but she's worked in operations management, human resources, administration type roles. And she saw that there was this gap for small businesses who needed some support, but perhaps weren't ready to hire a full-time employee. Now, word spread pretty quickly about Adrienne and she, so she started it as a side hustle and quit her day job in human resources and ops management to pursue her full-time career in her own business as a virtual personal assistant. These days, she now has a team of specialists that work with her on projects. So she has other VAs working for her as part of her team. She's got graphic designers, photographers, videographers, copywriters, website developers, editors, and podcast editors. Uh, So she has a whole team of people around her to help support her in her virtual personal assistant business. Super excited to bring you this interview today. I do hope you enjoy it. So let's dive in and welcome Adrienne Donnelly to the podcast. Adrian, welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here today. <laughs> now, before we get into today's topic and what we're going to be chatting about, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your background and how you've got to be where you are today? Sure. So I um, would classify myself as a virtual assistant or a virtual personal assistant. I've had my business for four years last November, so just over four years. So my background was originally in office admin, then into human resources and recruitment. And then the last time I worked in an office sort of environment was as an office manager, operations manager for a recruitment company. Um, I finished up there and actually had an idea for a total other business, which was like a directory of 
bars and restaurants and cafes because I could never find anywhere to go when I went back to the Central Coast to see my girlfriends from school. So I started doing some basic sort of admin and social media and website support for some friends who started their own business to make some cash to fund that other idea. And within six weeks, I was like, I think I've actually got enough clients to potentially make this my business. So I had about probably about three months worth of what I had become accustomed to being paid in terms of a monthly wage in my bank account from when I'd left my previous job. So I said, okay, I've got three months to make this work. Um, And having worked in HR, I was like, okay, that's an explainable amount of time to have off on my resume to be employed again. And, you know, I'm not going into something totally different. All these skills are still going to be relevant in three months. And that was four years and three months ago. So <laughs> I love how you you thought from a HR perspective. That's an explainable amount of time to have a Will I still be employable? Because I had worked in recruitment and HR for a long time. And I've seen a lot of, especially women, trying to re-enter the workforce after being off on, you know, um, maternity leave and things like that and they and they did sometimes whether the employer wasn't interested in trying to get them back in or they just struggled to they'd been out of it and the workforce had changed a lot since then or an office environment had changed lots I was very mindful of that but luckily I was very lucky that the business grew quite quickly and it's not something I've really had to ever think about again. No, no, I love an unplanned decision and how they, I know. they roll out and I'm sure it wasn't a matter of luck it was a matter of you took all of the knowledge and skills that you had and you just put it in a different way and you, you put it out, out in a different format and it obviously yeah. resonated um, because we were just chatting before we jumped on the call about how busy you are yeah how busy the year has started so yeah um so that's that's a great thing so being a virtual assistant how different is it to being a personal assistant in an office so yeah I when I worked for the recruitment company I did part of my role was to sort of play the um personal assistant role to the owners of that business and that could include anything from finding flights for their family holiday to running out and grabbing their lunch to managing their diary to having their kids come and sit at my desk when they came in early from school and their mum or dad was still in the meeting so it was very varied um one thing I guess I struggled with at the start is when you work full-time as a personal assistant you you literally can finish the person sentence that you're working for because you work so closely and as a good personal assistant can do that. They can see things before that's happened. It is going to happen. They, they've got that initiative to sort of know what their boss is going to be asking for next. And when I first started working for a whole bunch of small people, but on a smaller amount of hours, that is one thing that I struggled because I sort of um, would pride myself on being able to have that initiative or that forward thinking to know what was going to happen next and I wasn't always felt like I wasn't as ingrained in that personal assistant role but then I also sort of you know tempered that with knowing how much I was able to give to a few people all the same time um, but it definitely was a transition because I was used to being very ingrained in a business very ingrained in the life of the person that I was working for to kind of only playing a a four-hour-a-week role as opposed to a 44-hour-a-week role. So that was definitely um, something that I got used to. But now I've got the opportunity to work with a real variety of different people in different industries, different ages, different locations, um, their different backgrounds. So, and, you know, it's we don't click with everyone, whether it's you go and meet people at a party or in the workplace, you're not all, you're not, I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. So Mm. by working with a bunch of different people, you kind of, 
you never get to that point where you're like, oh, I can't work with this person anymore because it's just something that they're doing is driving me mad. You, you kind of get the opportunity to work with a real variety of people. Mm. And do you think for you personally as well, you've learnt more in a quicker period of time by having this model where you're working with lots of different businesses, as you said, people from different backgrounds, different industries, than you would have had you, you know, been in, you know, one or two or three businesses as a personal assistant? Do you think it's been a better learning experience? I don't know if it's a better learning experience, but it's definitely been quicker mm. because you, um, yeah, you're working with those people. So you really have to get your head around a whole bunch of businesses because I could spend, you know, from nine to 12 with one client and then have a half an hour break. And then, you know, in my business now, then go and work for another client in the afternoon. So you have to be able to really switch from that hat that you're wearing for business A to business B quite quickly, where I guess when I was working in an office, I knew every single thing about that business, everyone in it, everyone's bits and pieces, where now it's maybe not as deep a knowledge, but it's, I guess, broader across a a bunch of different people. But it's definitely a different learning style. You also don't have other people to rely on. You know, when you're in an office environment, you can be like, hey, what was that thing that we were talking about in that meeting the other day? I can't remember it. I work on my own so and I don't want to you know be going back and asking the business owners those questions all the time so you do have to become a lot more self-reliant and that's not always easy because it's nice having (laughs) like someone to bounce ideas off and saying you know do you think this would work for this event or do you think people would like this you know system do you think it would work for our business you have to become you have to trust yourself a lot more and trust your knowledge of your clients a lot more because you don't have those people to bounce off really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when businesses come to you or come to a VA, mm-hmm. most commonly, at what point are they seeking help from a VA? Is there a, a tipping point where they sort of reach reach the end of their tether and, and reach out? Or is it more strategic in their thinking? What do you most often see? I often see two things. It's either right at the start mm-hmm. where they're starting a business and they're like, there's all these things that everyone's telling me I need to do, but I don't know what they are like set up social media set up an accounting system get a website get business cards design a logo all those types of things or I often see that people get to a point where they've grown their business enough to be like I can actually afford five hours a week at you know your hourly rate to outsource some of these things that are not my strong point that are keeping me up at night that I just get agitated every time I do them because they're not you know, in my wheelhouse. So I usually see that they're either right at the start and you're there with them from the ground up Mm -hmm. or they have grown their business to a point where they're like, I can actually afford, you know, with what I'm earning five hours a week of your time or two hours a week of your time. Yeah. So they come with that in mind. And is there an ideal time for them to come to you in their business journey? Do you ever get involved with a client and you think, oh, if only they'd come to me sooner, I would have been able to help them grow faster or avoid this mistake or Mm. um, streamline things quicker for them? Or do they tend to turn up right at the right time? I feel like you just make the most of where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think businesses these days, you know, it's not unusual to see a brand do a big rebrand or to get a new website or to change their services and products. So there's things that you can tweak no matter what time they get to you or to say, hey, there's actually this thing, you know, this app that we could use for that. So next time, you know, your website comes up for renewal, we might think about moving to this because it could save you a bit of money and it might be a bit easier. The thing that I see is more of um, clients like trying to do something themselves Mm -hmm. and then coming to me and being like, "Um, 
you know, they're at their wit's end. They spend all these hours. They're doubting themselves. They're like, oh, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I can't get this. I'm like, I wish you could have just come. I wish you just asked me five hours ago because this is really easy for me. Yeah. And, they're, and they're always like, why didn't I ask you sooner? That I didn't want to bother you or whatever. It's like, no, it's not a bother. I'd actually prefer that than to see you now kicking yourself because you think, oh, I can't do something and I'm terrible with technology or whatever. But that's just not their area of expertise. And it's not what they got into business to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because we all got into business for different reasons, but it's generally about a a cause or uh, a particular thing we're really passionate about. It's not often about the other things that go with running a business, whether that's social media or administration or human resources or anything else. It's not not about that. That's not what we're getting into. And half the time they don't even know. You know, no. like I think, you know, an accountant or a property manager or something, they don't sit there and be like, I'm going to start my own business so I can just fiddle on my website all day or yeah. post to my <laughs> social media account. No, they get into it because they love what they do and they want to help their clients or their customers or their community, whoever the people are that they're serving or offering their products and services to. They definitely don't get into it to be, you know, managing their calendar and those sorts of things that that's exactly why I run a business. And that's why I say to people in like, that's why you do what you do. And mm. I do what I do. And we both have successful businesses yes. because that's my area of expertise. And that's the stuff that I love doing for 40 hours a week. And you love doing accounting or re- managing properties or, you know, running a cafe, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some ideal tasks that are really good for outsourcing to a VA. Things that if mm-hmm. someone's thinking, I know I need some help and I need a VA, but I just don't know where to start. Are there some ideal tasks that you can start with that might be the perfect tasks to go towards? Yeah, things that I find are really easy for people to outsource are um, managing their website. So, And when I say managing their website, I mean like adding new blogs to it, adding new events you know, changing the content around a little bit. Most of the website, and we are talking about this earlier, most website programs these days are built for small business owners to do it themselves so they don't have to pay huge marketing agencies $10,000, for these custom websites that then they can't actually maintain themselves. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some things that, that you need an expert to maintain on your website, like backups and updates and upgrades and all that kind of stuff that's above mm. my area of expertise. But those sorts of like managing what the kind of content on your website, that is something that's easy to outsource to a VA, Mm. Um, helping with your social media, um, helping organize events. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What else? You know, just normal things like document preparation, data entry, you know, a little bit of like very basic accounting, raising invoices, things like that, that aren't super time sensitive. But one thing, that I'm mindful of with clients is that they always know how to do everything in their business. Mm. They just choose to outsource it to me. But if for any reason, you know, I win lotto tomorrow and, you know, (laughs) run off to the other (laughs) side, well, maybe not the other side of the world at the moment, but not yet, but you know what I mean? They still need to be able to do it. I think it's like a smart business for business owners to still know how to do everything in their business. They just choose to outsource some of it so you know they can raise an invoice if they need to if I'm not working for them again for another two or three days on the opposite side things that I find um, don't always work so well when you're working just certain hours for clients are things like customer um, communication so answering phone calls answering emails especially if they're product related or you know based on hey when's my order arriving those sorts of things because, you know, we're all customers. We'd like a timely response if we paid money for a service mm. or a product. And I often find that those things 
um, they tend to be a little bit clunky when you outsource them to a VA, unless, of course, that VA is working for you, you know, on a regular basis. I've got a client that I work for four mornings a week for two hours. So I do manage their phones because then everyone's only ever, you know, maybe 24 hours away from a a callback. But where I've seen it kind of fall over in the past is, yeah, that kind of, you know, you're playing phone tag, people are getting your voicemail and not knowing who that is. So it can work. But for me personally, the way I work for clients, those sorts of things, tend to be a little bit clunky mm. but there's also virtual assistants that just offer reception services so there's there's space you know for those services to go to people like that as well and I think that's one of the key things you've touched on there it's about being really clear about when you're engaging with a VA what you're engaging them for and to do what yeah. your expectations are and with them being equally honest with you about what their limitations might be because there are plenty yeah. of options to outsource your reception or outsource even your customer service and correct I do the same so I use a, a hybrid mix of outsourced yeah type arrangements in my business and that works well because that other company that does that that's all they do and they mm-hmm. do it brilliantly Mm-hmm. And I can rely on the fact that that call is going to get answered and I will get a message and they'll be responsive and all will be well. But when you have a relationship where either you've not been clear with your VA about what your expectations are or they've not been able to be clear about what their limitations are, um, that can be problematic. And I know when we first spoke and, and we were first sort of doing um, going through what was possible in terms of what you could offer, one thing that I remember vividly being really great was you were very clear that social media was absolutely your jam and you were all over that and of course you were referred by a mutual friend of ours and you were doing her social media so I'd already seen how good you were with that space but you were very clear with me that if I wanted to do for example Facebook advertising that that was not your expertise and that you had some other people you could refer me to um, but it was certainly not something that you were skilled or confident or knowledgeable in Mm -hmm. and it was great because I had a really clear idea right from the outset that all the social media could be managed by you and up to this point and then I'd have to either you know self-learn or get some guidance or or outsource somewhere else so a good VA will be that clear won't they with what their parameters are yeah in my VA work now, I do get approached by a lot of other VAs for advice. So I run a virtual assistant network um, that's mainly like Newcastle, Central Coast, uh, Port Stephens, the Hunter. And what like I do get approached a lot for um, women or ladies that are starting their own VA business and some things that I always say, like what I would, you know, tell them. And that's one thing I always say is like, be very clear on what you do and don't be afraid to say that's not in my area of expertise, but don't just say, no, I can't do that. Mm. It's always like, I can't do it, but let me either find a way or I've got someone who I can refer you to, especially with things like advertising where, you know, you as a business owner are handing over your cold, hard money that you have worked tirelessly for to have someone run a Facebook ad campaign that doesn't really know what they're doing. Mm. It, honestly, it breaks my heart because there's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, I could do Facebook ads or whatever. And it's like, it's actually a, it's a quite a technical area mm, and I'm sure just is. not willing to take, you know, a hundred dollars, let alone a thousand dollars from you to off your credit card to put onto an ad that I can't tell you, you're going to at least get a couple of leads from Mm. so I'm very clear like I can't do video I can't do photography I can't do coding I can't do Facebook ads but I can't do catering but I've got people that I know that Mm. as as soon as the client says to me hey Adrian like we're thinking about doing this event we're going to we need to do a promo video we're going to like you know could you help us with video we're just going to do it on iPhone 
No, I would say definitely not. You need to invest in like a videographer and here are a couple of options. People I've worked with, you can continue just to deal with me and I'll manage the relationship with them, mm-hmm. but be super clear. And I know it's hard, especially if you're just starting any business to say yes to all the work, yes to the client, because you so badly want it to work. You've told all your family and friends, I'm signing this business. You don't want it to fall over, mm. but it's just as likely to fall over if you do a bad job of someone. Exactly. No one's going to talk badly about you to other business owners if they were like, I asked her to do Facebook ads and she said no and referred me to someone else. But they will if I do it and do it badly and you lose hundreds, thousands of dollars. Absolutely. So that's yeah. one thing I'm always like very, very firm on when I give advice to other VAs. It's like just if, unless like, yeah, absolutely don't like know what's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, and have a great network of people you can refer. Yeah, that absolutely. other work. Too. And I think as business owners, if you're seeking out a VA, that would be a red flag I'd look out for. Absolutely. If you were talking to a VA and they told you they could do all the things, it's simply not the case because no mm-hmm. one can do all the things. So they're not being honest with you if that's what they're telling you. And I would that's a massive red flag for me. And I'd be suggesting that they talk to yeah. other VAs as well. And you touched yeah. on something else earlier that I think is really important and a bit of a danger area um, that I think we'll see with some BAs and that is you, as you said, want the business owner, whoever's engaging you to know how to do all the things in their business. And I think as business owners, when we palm things off to a VA, sometimes we forget that we actually do need to know that because that person's not going to be with us forever. No one ever is. Um, And so that would be something I would encourage business owners to be mindful of as well. Now you're great with that because you'll just do me a little loom video, giving me some instructions and that saved my backside a few times in the past when it's been a period where um, you weren't working with me for another few days and I desperately needed to get something done on a weekend I just went to the loom videos I followed the step-by-step instructions because you're brilliant at them and I did what I needed to do and got the campaign done but if I had left that knowledge in your head or you hadn't actually had the forethought to tell me that I need to know how to do this then I would have been stuck until the next time you were working. So yeah. um, that would be something I would encourage business owners to do as well. If their VA is already not proactively doing it, ask their VA to, uh, however they want to do it, they could have written instruction or the videos are great or just even an oral um, talking instruction. Just some way that you've got the knowledge there that all the things the VA is doing, either you could do or if you needed to, someone else could pick up and do in the future too. Yeah, definitely. I think it's super important. When I first started the business, um, I went to see an accountant just to make sure I had everything set up in terms like bank accounts and ABNs because like they didn't teach us that in school. I, and I didn't come from a family that had run, you know, businesses. Everyone worked in schools and offices and things like that. So, and the best advice he gave me was for every dollar you earn, put 20 cents away for tax. And he mm. was like, make sure that even though you're going to outsource your accountant, he said, make sure you always know your numbers and I've just sort of taken that theory and applied it to like a VA and I'm so glad he did because the very first time I got my tax done with the business they totally totally mucked it up and I ended up owing the ATO like five thousand dollars and as a small business owner I just remember getting that phone call and just bursting into tears I'm like where am I getting five thousand dollars from like I'm lucky if I've got five hundred dollars in in savings let alone five thousand And that because I knew my numbers, I was like, this doesn't seem right. right. When they said, no, you're getting $5,000 credit. And I'm like, no, I don't actually think I should be. And they went back and they redid it. And that was because I knew my numbers. And that's mm. the same, I would say, to someone who's looking to engage a VA. Outsource the things that, you know, you don't love to do mm. and you can afford for someone else to do them, but still 
know them or ask your VA to do those certain, like do those recordings, set up a Zoom just with yourself, share your screen and record it. And then just have a folder wherever you save all your things with the Dropbox for that client and just pop them in there because you like you said, you, your VA might not be working with you for a couple of days or they might, like we all have holidays, we get yeah. sick, other things happen. And it's just smart business for you to know how to do all those things yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really important thing when you're engaging a VA. And the other thing in terms of the things that are good to start delegating to a VA, I think, are things that if you're doing things that are repetitive and really easy to teach someone else how to do, they are simple things that can go to a VA because if it's going to take you not very much time to teach someone, because I think that sometimes is the barrier when we're delegating to anyone in our business is, I may as well just do it myself because it's going to take too long to teach them. If it's repetitive and it's easy to teach, that's a simple task, whatever it is um, that can go to a VA really simply. And that will create the space for you to see what else is possible to to delegate. And I think for a lot of my clients that do uh, more service-based and product-based businesses, like I say to them, you know, you could be working on a client's work and charging yourself out at, you know, say $110, $150, $180, whatever their consulting rate is. Mm. Like sometimes that could be three times what I'm charging them. Mm. So it's like, let's spend half an hour. Tell me what you need. And I know that half an hour is hard to get. And that's why Mm. I try to be flexible. Like if we need to do it on a Saturday morning, if we need to do it in the night and early morning, whatever it takes for them to hand that task over to me, because now they could be paying me for every hour I'm doing like, they could be charging themselves out at $150 and paying me $50. They're making three times. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I can probably do it quicker than what they're going to do it because yeah. I do that all day, every exactly. day. Like exactly. set up a mailchimp email to go or add a blog to their website. Like I've been doing that a lot for quite a few years now. So I can do it quite quickly and mm. accurately. So it's just that those are the types of things to delegate. But I understand what you're saying in terms of carving out that time. Like I've got a few businesses that they come to me when they just reach that boiling point mm-hmm. every, like almost every year. And yeah. like, we really need your help. I'm like, I, I can help you. you. I just need two hours. I'll come to you. We can sit. And it's never gotten off the ground because they just can't carve Make out two hours of that day to yeah. probably save themselves. That's it. It's four, five, time. 10 hours a week. Yeah, like it absolutely. is hard, and you and you it's like when you're handing stuff over, it's a different way of thinking too. Because things that you just do automatically in your head, you're like, no, I actually have to articulate every step and why we do it this way, or record it, or write down the process. But it's so worth it. It don't, not only saves you time, but also money in terms of what you could then be, Spending you know, selling your hourly rate to your customers too. Absolutely, I think it's not about finding time; it's about making time. Like. Of course, it's hard to find time for anything, but if we make time for the things that are going to actually help us move forward and yeah. we're also making future time by doing that because we're not only <clears throat> making the time for that one meeting, but we're making the time every time that meeting doesn't now need to happen into the future because Correct. we know that process now and mm. we don't need to tell you again and again because often the work we're doing is you know, similar or the same over and over again. So yeah, it is, and you see that even with um, employers with, direct employees on site with them that there's so much more that team could be doing if they just sat down and gave them more to do rather than holding on to it because it's serving yeah. no one because you can't scale your business if you're holding on to everything so and I think um, that applies for um, technology too you know like mm-hmm. we you always use a good example with clients around 
um, booking meetings. Like how long does it take you to book a meeting with the client? You call, then they call you back and then you leave a voicemail, then you send an email <laughs> and all that thing. And it's like, you know what? Give me like a password that you like. I will set you up with an online meeting booking system and we'll get all the parameters set up around what time they can book and how long the meetings are and you know set you up on the paid plan if you need all you need to do is tell me what email and password and your credit card so we pay the eight dollars a month to calendly and the amount of time you will save with the backwards and forwarding and the leaving messages and oh does this time suit you oh no this time doesn't suit me what about this cafe no this cafe like it's not just about outsourcing it to another person but also outsourcing it to a system that's already in place that you might spend eight dollars a month usd what's that twelve dollars australian dollars but again what is your time worth you've just spent half an hour or maybe an hour when you piece all those little minutes here and there calling or texting or emailing you could charge yourself out 150 dollars yeah and i think that's that's so true that's been like an epiphany for me in the last six months when i finally went why am i doing it this way because i would spend a lot of time trying to find time in my diary and their diary because the people I deal with are busy people too, mm. and I am. And we'd, I don't know how long I'd spend going to and from on email trying to organise a meeting that suited both yeah. of us and have, changing that whole format. I know that I think some business owners think that their clients won't like it, but actually the clients like convenience. So if you send them a link and say, click the link, book yourself in whenever you're free, it'll show you when I'm free. That's so much easier for them too. Totally. It's not, you're not re- removing any communication. You're just making someone's life easier. Yeah, exactly. I've got a friend of mine who she's just like, if the person doesn't have an online booking system, they don't get my business. So the other day she was in the group <laughs> chat and she's like, oh, I need an accountant. You know, we've recently moved here. She's like, and I said, I want you to go, no, they don't do online booking. And I, was that like, is, I love that. Fair enough. That's her criteria. And I'm like, yep. she's a new mum. She used to work in that like a high-end corporate HR job for a big mining company so she's still trying to work and she's got a new baby she's like I don't have time yeah and at 10 o'clock at night if I want to book an appointment with the accountant no one's answering the phone at that time and that's that's her criteria and I'm like it's actually really good because it's not you're not taking out any customer service it's actually for most people probably providing better customer experience yeah, absolutely. And I think the more consumers start to stand up for the fact that I'm not going to do it that way, the more businesses will actually embrace that as well. Yeah. Because I think yeah. the old school businesses struggle with that. But we're getting off topic. But yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah. Um, and then there's types of things you can't outsource to a VA because it's going to be even clunkier, you know, back to our point oh, before about, yeah. you know, it's even clunkier for me to jump in twice a week and answer those messages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are the things you think, or I guess the secret ingredients that make a really good client-VA relationship work well? It's a very good question. I think over the years I have learned, and this just works for me in the way that my brain works, is that clients having their own designated time slots each mm-hmm. week works very well for me. I get a bit distracted by notifications (laughs) so if I'm working on things for client A and then client B I see an email from them pop up I'll get distracted by that and so you know to your um, podcast you know about that third space when you kind of flipping between tasks there's so much downtime and as a VA when you're charging in sort of 15 minute increments or hourly blocks of what you're doing you can't you can't charge for that time you're getting distracted by something else so I find for me having a client they know their designated time they know when I'm online for them I'm totally in their zone I'm just thinking with my business a hat on that works quite well but also for business owners 
it means that they get the most out of their VA because, and I think you're a perfect example of this. Like, you know that at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, Adrian's going to be working on my business. And then at two o'clock on a Wednesday, she's going to be working on my business. So if I didn't have stuff to her by then, I'm just going to be basically paying for her to do, you know, like those rainy day projects mm. or, you know, sort of not really working to full capacity. It keeps you accountable too to be like, right, if I'm going to make the most of the money I'm paying this person every week or every month, I need to make sure they've got a full inbox or a full mm. task list of things to do to keep them busy. I find that that works quite well. Um, I do like the option of being able to physically meet with them where possible. Mm. Like obviously COVID has changed that, but most of my clients, although I, I'm a virtual assistant, I could go and see them if I needed. So if mm. I need to do like you know, a big day at the start of the year where we just sit and we plan and we work out what's the goal for the year and how we can do things. I find that works well. Sometimes just having two people looking at the same screen on the same piece of paper just can, you know, take up a whole lot less time than emails Mm. back and forwards or Slack messages or Trello notifications just to jump on a call or jump into a meeting room and do the same, look at the same thing. Mm. I think that works quite well. And I think too, you know, what you mentioned at the start, being very clear at the start of what the pain points are for a client, like what is the stuff that's stressing them out? What's the stuff that they know they have to do, but they hate and working out whether they can outsource it, eliminate it, automate it, um, and just being really clear on what I can do to help them and what they're looking to outsource. Um, And also just to be clear on where the business is going. I find that I can add a lot more value if I know, you know, again, you, for example, if the goal is, you know, at this date, we're launching a membership program. I know in the back of my head that everything that we're doing needs to be underpinning. Like I sat down with a client last week and she's like, okay, my word for the year is flow. I need the business to flow better. At the moment, it feels very clunky. Things aren't connected. Apps aren't talking to each other. My Dropbox is there. So this is all stored here. My phone's not backed up, blah, blah. So I'm like, right everything I know and I know that she'll go off track during the year I'm like just bring it back to that so I know what her goal is what she's trying to achieve this year so we're both on the same page and I can help to keep her accountable for that or you know work toward that and that just underpins everything that we do yeah I guess having an idea of their bigger vision Mm, that's exactly it so it's the same when we're running a business and we've got um direct employees in the office Mm -hmm. and I think you know more and more these days what we have is hybrid teams not only totally uh, employees working remotely but we've got a mix of employees contractors VAs there's a wide variety of people in our circle that are supporting our business if they all don't know what the vision is and what we're trying to achieve how can they support you to get there so I think that is so important just because your VA might be in Australia or in the Philippines or anywhere else if they, if you don't share it with them, they're never going to know. And if they don't know, they can't tap into it. Um, and so they're not going to be able to have that, I guess, um, lens when they're looking at your work to know that, okay, the ultimate goal this year is to make everything flow better. So mm-hmm. they're going to make decisions with that in mind if they've got that there as well. So I think that is so important because I think that's where we have a disconnect when we're dealing with employees versus contractors that we sometimes mm-hmm. forget to bring the contractors in on that discussion about what the whole bigger picture and the vision yeah. is. Um, and it does and make sense because often the work that we do as, you know, an external part of the team is very task focused. Mm. You know, on Mondays I know I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. So 
So I understand, you know, as a business owner, why you think, well, they just got their list. They know what they need mm. to do every week. But if they are looking at those things through that lens of flow mm. to be like, well, I know I do this every Monday, but it actually makes sense to do this task on a Wednesday instead of a Monday, because that'll actually mean your Thursday. There's the stuff that you need. You don't have to wait till Tuesday. And then we got know that that has an impact on the flow if you know what that yeah, broader kind of goal for the business are. Yeah, totally. And back to your point as well about keeping the business owner accountable. I, I totally agree with you that having your VA work set times rather than just do your four hours whenever you want through the week, keeps that keeps me accountable. So that, from my perspective, particularly for some of those tasks we do together each and every week, I know that if I don't have all of those things done by 2pm on a Wednesday, you can't get it done. So actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we didn't have that set up, I wouldn't have got a blog post out every week, a newsletter out every week and a podcast out every week during 2020 because there was so much else going on that something else would have taken the priority. But without fail, those things got done every week. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do agree that that works well for me and I think for any busy business owner um, that potentially could also get distracted and could also, you know, just have another priority pop up, if you can schedule your VA's time, particularly around anything that needs to happen regularly in your business to happen at the same time each week, it will make you get it done without fail. Totally. So, because then it doesn't matter what else happens in your day. If you've got an employee that comes into your office crying, this situation's happened, something goes, you know, wrong yep. with one of your, you know, products or the factory or whatever it might be, you know that okay, those things are just out of, out of my yep. head, off my list. Doesn't matter exactly. what happens with the day. It's like the making of your bed in the morning. It's like doesn't matter what happens with the day. Now I know that I've done that, and the day can just go totally haywire. But I can always come back to those things, knowing that they're done. Exactly. And I, in fact, don't do anything else on that day until those things are done. So if I know it's going to be a chaotic day, I actually turn, turn my email off on those days until I've got those things done, because then I know that's cool. It's all you know going to happen as it should, and then I can worry about other things. So yeah. I agree that that's definitely a good setup. Yeah. And so when you engage a VA, we should always have some kind of formal agreement in place, shouldn't we? We should. In the <laughs> ideal world, I'll be the first to say that is not it's not been my um, strong suit. It's something that I've kind of been a little bit um, slack with, I guess. And I think because it started as, you know, just doing some stuff for some friends, Mm. it sort of has grown. Like I I still don't have an official name for my business after four years. Like I registered the name for that other business idea that I had and it's still been. It's a business name. Yeah. Like the ABN's there, it's all set up properly, but it's not the actual name of my VA business. It's all this other kind of hospitality idea that I had. So, yes, I would agree. And, you know, even if it's... um, you know, just a, a written email or something like that outlining this is the amount of hours, this is the rate, these are the tasks that I'm going to include, the regular things plus other things. This is when I'm going to invoice you. This is when exactly. the invoice needs to be paid. I don't have, you know, formal, formal contracts as such, but for every client I do have that agreement. Um, yeah. And I think having worked in HR for a while in terms of finishing up with the client because there have been times where clients have finished me up whether that business has changed they're bringing it in house it's mm-hmm. just not working having a VA or on the other side I've finished my work up with them I've tried to you know we always try to give each other notice and things like that so you don't leave them in the lurch just those sort of common sense things but mm. definitely um, I have seen with the VA network that I've run some 
very ugly stories of people not being paid for things, work that they've done, clients using, like not paying and then using the work that they've created. And unfortunately, without a contract, even if they were never going to legally pursue anything, just to be able to reference a clause in a contract and the credibility that that that, that brings with it, they really didn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, two people agreeing to some formal arrangement, whether it be, you you know, sign on a page or just in writing agreement, I think that holds both parties accountable and it will mean both parties are far less likely to do the wrong thing by that agreement. And I think all the things you've just covered is definitely what you want in the agreement and the addition of that, how do we end this relationship, you know, the Mm -hmm. notice period. Because I think, you know, that is important for both parties to have that sense of protection that if you're going to finish up your VA, giving them whatever notice period is in that contract or having a notice period in that contract, that's fair on them because this is their Mm. livelihood Mm. um, and and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I think definitely it's good to have something in writing. Um, It doesn't have to be a war and peace style, you know, legal contract. Of course, that's best practice, but something to protect you because, you know, in the HR world, everything comes down to what you've documented. So we like to have a lot of documents. Oh, absolutely. And especially in the world of VAs or any kind of contract, like the access that we have and the passwords and things like that, like we all use, I don't know anyone who doesn't use some sort of secure Mm. password vault, like LastPass or OnePass and things like that. But, you know, I've got client's credit card details, I've got bank account details, PayPal accounts, even just to you know, being able to access their website and make changes. There are horror stories out there of people yeah. doing, you know, clicking the wrong button and things. Got Like that's their company property type mm. thing. So that question is a good, a good reminder around the importance of contracts, especially from the owner's point of view when you've got a virtual assistant that's got access to all yeah. these um, passwords and information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess to to finish up, I mean, being a VA, that it's it's quite different to having an internal employee in your business. And I think there's absolutely pros and cons to both. And I think the ideal business structure in the future will have both. I think there is mm. always a role for um, outsourced support, virtual assistants, outsourced reception and all of those things. And there's always, as your business grows, going to be a need for internal um, resources. So is there anything that I guess you would like to finish off by saying in terms of a business is considering a VA or has a VA relationship that's not working for them at the moment, what should be the first step that they might take in terms of getting that sorted or getting a VA? Yeah, definitely. Whether I, whether it's a, a a relationship that you don't think is working as effectively as it could or you're thinking about in, engaging one, I think it's about just sitting down and writing, you know, what it is that you're looking for what are the pain points? What are the things that are keeping you up? What you can afford to pay somebody? Um, it's just, you know, writing down a bit of a criteria, I guess. And then if you've got someone going, okay, well, are they, you know, it's like that clean slate exercise that you mm. talk about. It's like, what do we actually need in the business? We need someone who can send out our weekly newsletter. We need someone that can add content to our website. We need someone to look after our Facebook page. We need someone who can... Um, help us run our quarterly team events or customer events or things like that. Okay, so is there someone, like what does that person look like and then decide if it's an internal or an external position? Like for most of my clients, there are no internal. They're one and two men fans. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other one that I go to a few mornings a week. Like I do feel like I'm a part of their team of 15 people because I go into their office and I do things like that but I think it's just about writing down what it is exactly that you're looking for 
and then also just speak to other people that have had VAs, what's worked well, what hasn't, talk to VAs. Like I'm always happy to talk to businesses, whether I can take on the work or not, is to talk to them just to be like, this is how it could work with the VA. I had that the other day with a lady. She's like, I've never done one. A lot of my friends have it. I don't understand the difference between a VA in the Philippines or an onshore VA mm. talking and a some VAs don't even know the difference between that. <laughs> yeah. um, so just really nutting out what it is that has made them actually go, oh, I think I need a VA. Is it because everyone thinks is telling you that you need one or you actually do? And then just nutting it all down, getting a whiteboard, getting a piece of paper and just writing all the stuff that you don't want to do, you don't like doing, you don't know how to do, you want to be able to outsource and start there. And then just ask your friends. It's like asking for an accountant mm. or a mechanic or things like that. Just ask your friends of what or family what's worked for them what hasn't worked for them yeah I think that's the best place to start absolutely as always clarity is king so totally and you will be in a winner well Adrian thank you for joining us here on the podcast today it's been fun to do this and um, we'll link up in the show notes for everyone all of your details so that everyone can reach out to you but thank you for joining us lovely thank you so much Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Adrian. I think it's so great to get both sides um, of a you know a particular journey and a story. So, um, you know, from my perspective as the employer engaging the VA, and Adrian's perspective is I just think so brilliant in terms of how we as business owners can leverage virtual assistance in different ways and how to set up that really important working relationship with our VAs because that is where you can really make a huge, huge impact and growth in your business by having that right. And, you know, just like with any team members, our VAs are part of our team and they can't read our minds and we need to have really strong communication channels with them. And I know for us working together, Adrian and I, that has really been um, part of what's worked so brilliantly uh, with, with us and how we communicate in the systems we use. So I do hope you've enjoyed that. Now, if you're in a situation where you're thinking, I want to hire a VA, I need to hire a VA, how do I make sure I find the right VA? It's super important that you do look at options and find the right person for you. And to help you do that, what I've, uh, I've actually got a little free bonus for you with this week's episode, and that is a guide on some must-ask interview questions for your VA. So if you're currently looking for a VA screening potential VA options for your business, I've put together a guide of interview questions that I highly recommend you ask the VAs that you're considering to help give you clarity as to whether this virtual assistant is right for you and to help you choose the best person to work with as your virtual assistant. So if you'd like to get a copy of that, all you need to do is just head straight to today to today's show notes. Uh, so just go to peoplepoweredbusiness.com, click on episode number 68, and you'll get that free download right there, the must-ask interview questions for your VA. So peoplepoweredbusiness.com, episode number 68. Thank you so much for joining me here on this week's episode of the podcast. It's been great to share that interview with you. And I'll be back again next week with episode 69 of the podcast. In the meantime, have a great week and take care. Thank you.